0: I assume it's the sermon coming. (laughs) Right. Um, So as most of you know, we are in a a series in the Gospel of Matthew. Last week we talked about Judas and why Christ chose Judas to be part of the 12th. And tonight we're going to talk about and look at the sending of the 12 on a mission. As we, as we are going to talk about the mission and the 12, I, I still want to point you back to last week's message. Do not forget that Judas, the one who will betray Christ, is part of this mission trip. He receives the exact same power as all the other 11 it's important to remember that now let me let me read the text so tonight is instructions for the mission Matthew 5 5 to 11, uh, 10 f- uh, oh let's, let me just follow along I'll read it <sighs> These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles. Did you change all the slides into orange? Because they were white. It's fine. Uh, These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without paying. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or stuff for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And as you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So tonight, we're we're focusing on general instructions for this mission. Next week is going to be instruction for persecution, as we will see at the end of this service, how they transition to that. Um, A few things to remember we get. uh, Actually, so there's, there's five points so all these were in white text so i apologize if you're in the back and you're not seeing everything something changed anyway so five points for tonight F- point number 1 is where they have to go where where is jesus sending them point number 2 the mission in words and deeds what they are supposed to say and do number 3 Jesus is going to talk about the resources, resources they need for the mission. And he's going to end on a warning for them and for eventually their hearers. And then we're going to have a conclusion. Now, before we get to these five points, we have to remember a few things. And this is, this is, very, this is very valuable for a valid for all of us here as well in Oldenburg. So, when you go out and you open your mouth to people, you're not representing yourself as you know, you're representing the Messiah. It should stop you in your tracks and make you think because you're not representing an institution or another human being or yourself or your family, you're representing the God that created the universe. When they go out and when we go out and open our mouth, what they say and what we say, what they do and what we do is what Jesus did. Not what we think we're supposed to do. And not what they think they're supposed to do on a mission. Then another thing. The way people respond to what they say and what you say. Is it not in response to you personally. But it's in response to the message you bring. Namely, you're an ambassador of Christ. They don't respond to who you are. They respond to what you're saying, namely the gospel. Hopefully, that's your message. When the villagers, because, because they're going through villages, when the villagers will accept or reject them, They won't accept them or reject them or people in Allberg will not accept or reject you. They will accept or or reject Jesus. Again, very important to remember. We're not doing marketing and market studies. We're going out with the message of eternal salvation for souls. Right? We're not selling products. They were not selling products. I, I'm saying all this because we can, we can read this passage and just, yeah, they're going on a mission. That's fine. That's okay. But it's not just a mission, and it's not just a simple, we're going out. As we'll see in a few minutes, this is a moment of decision for many people. Their, eternal, their eternity will be decided on this mission, whether to go on and live with God in eternity or go to hell for eternity. So, as, I'm, as I was saying, this is a... It's a moment of spiritual decision and it's a message that was extremely relevant then when Jesus was with them and it's extremely relevant now when we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus is with us as maybe even more actually as it was with them back then when he was sending them out. So, The 12 are instructed to travel light, as we will see, and keep moving. So let's get going to number one. To whom they must go, verses 5 and 6. So these people Jesus sent out, these, these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Jewish prophecies with regards to salvation. He is coming to fulfill, as we saw last time, he is coming to fulfill the scriptures about the Messiah. And so it's not surprising that he sends them first to the house of Israel. But at the same time, it is surprising that he only sends them to the house of Israel. Right? He says, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep. It is surprising, though. Why is it surprising? Well, as we went through the book of Matthew... There's a few instances where Jesus, either in face-to-face contact or indirect contact, he has revealed himself in some way or another to non-Jews. For example, he was welcomed when he was born by the wise men who were not Jews. Um, he was celebrated in non-Jewish areas in Syria and the Decapolis. He went there. He responded to the Roman soldier's call, right? When he called him to heal her, his daughter. He delivered a Gentile demoni- demoniac possessed person in um, chapter 8 by the side of the lake. And then he meets the centurion was again a non-Jew and is amazed by his faith in Jesus right, so Jesus revealed himself in some way or another to non-Jews but then when he sends his 12 disciples he sends them to Israel very specifically what's going on I mean you have to remember the way the book of Matthew ends right the Great Commission. So that's the glorious culmination, the glorious point of sending the, the, the apostles out. But there's a lot to be, there's a lot that has to happen until that moment. So why is he restricting them to or from going to Gentiles and Samaritans? Well, apparently there's quite a consensus on this in commentaries a lot of people say he's not restricting them to talk to people he's restricting them from geographical areas right? don't go among Gentiles and don't go into towns of the Samaritans which means if you meet Gentiles or Samaritans in the towns where you go to speak to the Jews don't close your mouth so it's a geographical restriction, not a social, human restriction. It's important to remember that. And this is a limit that Jesus imposes until his crucifixion. Because afterwards, the big commission begins. right? After his death and resurrection, the worldwide mission begins so that's point number one they're going to the lost sheep of the house of israel number two their mission in word in and deed proclaim as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick raise the dead cleanse lepers cast out demons you received without paying give without paying The message, as I was saying as we started out, the message of the 12 is the same message of Jesus about the kingdom. They're preaching the kingdom. John the Baptist and Jesus called people to repentance. The 12 don't. They're supposed to teach and preach the kingdom, namely the coming of the Messiah. Nothing about repentance is mentioned. We don't know why. We can guess, but it won't be won't be correct. Then the message is to be proclaimed as they go. It's a it's a moving type of mission. It's not we're gonna settle and plant a church type mission. It's a what we call now or today an itinerant mission, right? We move along with the message. It's not a settled ministry. The The verbal message, what they're saying, is the kingdom. And then that is to be supported by supernatural deeds, right? Which all four of them are a picture of what Jesus did until now. There's nothing new. Namely, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. As I was saying at the beginning, again, everything they're doing is an extension of what Jesus did. Nothing more, nothing new. What he could do, they are given the power to do. Um, But there is one thing that is strange. In the whole Bible, except Jesus, there's only two persons that raised the dead, Elijah and Elisha, and then Jesus. And here in the list, Matthew, when he writes the gospel, he mentions raising the dead. But at the same time, there's no proof that any dead were raised no not necessarily proof as much as mention in the gospel. And a lot of people are wondering, okay, why did they why did he add that there? Let me read something to you. So some in a commentary they were saying its function, so the statement raised the dead, its function here is perhaps more to tighten the link between the disciples' mission and what their Messiah already uh, started doing to provide a blueprint for the subsequent Christian practice. He is trying to sketch a portrait of who a Christian is based on who Jesus was and did. And the raising of the dead was part of what and who he was. Now, there's another emphasis in the instructions. Namely, he says, You received without paying, give without pay. So, without cost. Don't charge for your services be generous. If you remember, Paul makes a big deal out of the fact that he does not charge for his services in all the churches that he writes to. Sometimes he even says, I'm working. I have a normal, regular job just to make money and not burden you for money for the services that I provide to you, namely the teaching." So, Jesus' disciples, having received the message of the kingdom from God freely, Jesus instructs them and expects them to not receive payment for it. Again, this is a model. Jesus pays for his message to be offered to the world, not the messenger who receives the money. Yes, you can receive food. Yes, you can live with them as long as they keep you. But don't charge for it. And then there's another reason why he says that. During those times, all the, well, not necessarily teachers as much as philosophers, or the philosophers of the age back then when they traveled and taught, they were doing it for a cost. All of them. So he's saying, don't do that. Don't be like them. Even in that matter, don't get money for a message that I died, or in this case, will die for and pay for. And so, unlike Paul, they are uh, to receive board and lodging because he says, the worker, uh, he will say, The worker earns his keep or earns his food. Number three, resources for the mission. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or stuff for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And as you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you." Now, first of all, the the essence of the message here is travel light, keep moving. Wherever you go, have the same message. Don't change it according to a different context. Travel light and keep moving. And don't make provisions for the, or rather, don't make material provisions for your tri- trip. And one of the, as we will see in the conclusions, but one of the lessons, practical lessons here for them and for us is, if if God pu- if God puts it on your heart to be a missionary or to actually just simply go out in all work one day and whoever you meet, just talk to them about Christ. If he puts that thing on your heart, he will provide everything you need to do that, whether strength, courage, the right words, the right people to talk to, whatever. So the lesson is trust God to provide for the mission that God sends you on. You know, many times... small parenthesis um many times we're stressed or fearful or we kind of lose faith with regards to like oh yeah but that i need to talk to that person or it's awkward or what am i gonna say i need to make notes or take notes or but we don't think first well no god god will give me the right words i know what i'm believing i know where i stand as it said in the text that Charles uh, provided us from Psalm 18, God is my rock and He is my refuge. I think we have to discover what that means and how we can do that for Him, for us to be to find strength and refuge in God. Because it sounds nice when we say it, but it, what does it mean if somebody tells you, "Yeah, just find find refuge in God"? What does that mean, right? So it's similar here. Trust God with God's mission for you. He will provide. And then, of course, Jesus said that the Son of Man has no place for, uh, to lay down his head, right? So why would we want to gather resources for his mission for us if he is the one that has no place where to live and what to eat? What should be... Why should we, his messengers, be well off? We don't rely on material security for missions, but we rely on God. So, there are a few specific elements that Jesus points out here about mission, or their mission. And I just want to look at each one. First one, if you don't see what it says, it says, acquire. He says, do not acquire, or acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. Acquire. This has nothing to do with what they're carrying on their backs, right? This has to do with where is your heart? Don't, don't think you need to prepare or don't think you need to gather things for your mission and only then be able to go on the mission. You just need to go when you're sent we many many times lose opportunities or waste opportunities with different people with regards to our confession towards them because we overthink or we try to acquire what we think we need for either that talk or that mission or whatever no just just go christ is with you you have the holy spirit with you just go don't you don't need money, you don't need silver and gold and copper. Just go, just, just open your mouth. It will sound exactly the same whether you have money in your pocket or you don't. Whether your shoes are clean or not. Whether you have a jacket and a t-shirt or just a shirt. Those don't affect, you don't need an extra package for your message the gospel doesn't need to be made more beautiful by the messenger if it's barefoot you go barefoot then gold and silver now when i got to this point if you some of you who were here last week uh, in our message about uh, judas we were saying last week that Judas was a thief, and he stole from Jesus. He was in charge of the money bag, and usually he would steal from it. And I couldn't help but think, when Jesus got to this point in his instruction, whether he was not thinking of Judas more specifically than, ju- than all the other 11 Somehow, again, trying to, to, to um, highlight the importance or the lack of importance when it comes to the kingdom or the message of the kingdom and money. You don't need money to preach about or to preach the gospel. You need a heart for people. And then, of course, Jesus says you don't need money because you have to rely on those that you are going to talk to. In a sense, somehow pushing them to form relationships. Because he says, when you go into a city or into a town or a village, build relationships. Talk to people in such a way that they, you, you, you somehow get to the point where you say, okay, can we be with you? Or let them invite you in you don't need money don't don't go to a hostel and buy a place no rely on the people there there's a different relationship when that happens rather than you live in a hotel and you keep on going out a bag don't acquire a bag now apparently this bag is a special kind of bag and doesn't refer to money bag that would like be here like on their belt this is a bag where usually people, um, it's a very specific to the, to the Middle Eastern culture, where it's a, it's a bag in which you take food with you. And so he says, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't take food with you on a trip, on this mission trip. Just like with the money and everything else, rely on the people you are going to talk to form such relationships with those people that you can actually sit down and eat with them. Don't have food and go out and eat and then go back in and preach. Tunics or sandals. Don't, don't take extra clothing with you. Why would you need it? It's not going to take usually when they would take a lot of clothing with them it's not because it was cold but it's it's because the trip would take long and what he's saying is this is a short trip just just go preach heal take demons out whatever you have to do and come back you don't need extra clothing and with all these like gold silver bags tunics and sandals another point here is don't don't rely on the things you can provide for yourself you're a messenger of the gospel of christ why would you rely on the things you can provide for yourself it just makes no sense if i'm sending you and it's my gospel rely on me The the laborer deserves his food. So we have have to be careful. So we have two things here. The, The laborer, the one who preaches, in this case, the one who teaches, deserves his food, and then parallel that with what Jesus said before, give without pay, don't expect money. Don't, don't, don't go there thinking they're going to pay you for what you're going to do. How do we work that out? So on the one hand, expect food. On the other hand, don't expect pay. Give freely. So the distinction between these two is the distinction between accepting, accepting needed hospitality. You need a place where to sleep and food that you should eat and profiting for what you're teaching. Don't go out and profit from what I'm giving you to give them. I hope that makes sense to you, because it's a huge distinction. If you're going to go and form relationships with people and put your heart out towards them about who I am, namely the Messiah... Yes, let them feed you and maybe keep you in a barn or on a bed or whatever. But don't expect payment and, re- and, and, and uh, profit. Don't expect to profit out of that. It's not, it's not fair. Another thing that he highlights, Jesus, in his instructions is this idea of worthiness. Worthy right he says as you enter the house greet it no sorry in 11 whatever town or village you enter find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart i mean how do, how are you going to find out who is worthy if you don't form relationships it's not like you can walk down on a main street in a village in the middle east and say well I think that house is worthy and then maybe that house. This just doesn't work like that. Nobody is that foolish, right? You form relationships. You talk to people. You listen to people. And then there's another aspect of this worthiness. Um, in Matthew 7, 6, Jesus says, don't um, bring or don't place a treasure before um, those who are not able to understand it, right? Don't bring pearls to the swine. He's trying to make a distinction between, to use the language in this passage, the worthy and the Unworthy. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 7, in John 7, whoever comes from God knows that this message is, that the teaching is from God. You know, there's people whom you talk to about the gospel and they don't, the first question that, or the first thing that comes out of their mouth is not, yeah, but you know, I mean, is there really a God? It just happens that many times you talk to people and they they just they just literally literally get it see it. Yeah, I think they, there's no there's no there's no distance between you, between you uh, th- between them and the message. The first thing they think is how does that relate to me or how how must I what must I do to make that mine or. Not, yeah, but, you know, the Bible is written by man, not by God. So that would be a, a sketch of an unworthy person. Who the, the first thought is, let's see how I can contradict him or her. Worthy and then peace. There's this idea of coming into a home and greeting it with peace. Now, you have to understand that we're talking about the Middle East, and this is the Messiah talking. Peace is not just a social construct like we do like oh hi or have a good week or whatever we whatever else we say i don't know this is this is a blessing from the messiah whom the jews were waiting for so as a as a as a messenger when you come into a house as the as the messenger of this messiah and you bless the house by saying peace to this house or whatever form they would use That is a blessing. It's not just something to say when you come through the door. It's the reason why you go through the door, to bless the house. Somebody said, to be the willing host of the messenger of God's peace is indeed a blessing but to oppose it is to forfeit forfeit God's peace why would you not want God's blessing over your house a warning And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Up front, the warning is, not everybody will welcome you. And not everybody will welcome your message. You will not be welcomed by everyone you meet or talk to. Maybe nobody will welcome you. Because he says, then for that town, not that house or that person. So just imagine, let's say a city, a city like, like Alborg. You come in, you walk down a few streets, you talk to a few people, maybe more or maybe a lot. Maybe they call you in into an auditorium at the university and say, maybe, maybe we can bring a lot of people into the room and just listen to you, see what, how they react. And they will boo you out and call you all kinds of names. Maybe even run down the street after you and chase you down and beat you up. To be a Christian is not It's not a comfortable thing. Jesus didn't say, "Well, when you don't feel comfortable, don't talk about me. Make sure you have a good day, make sure you meet the right people and then speak about me." Think of North Korea. Think of China. Think of Indonesia. Think of places in the world where you can be killed by simply stating that you're a Christian. Or in countries where if you say, if where if they say see, if they see that you have a Bible in your luggage when you land, you'll have problems. Not everybody wants to be saved but God wants everybody saved Christ died for all so what's the warning the warning is not everybody will welcome you not everybody will want to hear from you but there will be some remember Paul at the uh, Areopagus or whatever way you say that word many didn't want him there But some, at the end, some said, we'll hear you again about that. We want to hear some more. Maybe there will be one family in a town, one person on a street, one friend in a 60 group, 60 people's group at the university. Maybe one will say, hmm, I'll come to your church. Let's just see what's up with that. And... One word about Sodom and Gomorrah. So if you remember the story in Sodom and Gomorrah, um, Abra- Abraham talks to God and says, if there's one righteous man, he boils it down to one. If there's one righteous man in this, in this city, um, will, will you save the city then? And God says, well, I will. But none was. None was righteous. And, um, and Sodom burned. And how much more will it be worse for that town? Because they're not rejecting um, the revelation of God in the Old Testament. They're rejecting the Messiah. who is the image of the glory of God, as Paul says about Christ. Jesus takes that example, that judgment as a model for what's going to happen to those who reject the message of the 12. And finally, conclusion. There's five, I think, or six. These are... Practical things for us to take home wherever you come from, wherever you go after this church meeting ends. You can take these with you even if you don't believe. Even if you're you're here and you're not a believer, take these with you. So number one, as Christians we're called to be ambassadors of Christ wherever we are in the world. Every one of us. That's that's our identity. There's, we, we cannot undress of that. That's who we are. We're his ambassadors and we have his message in our mouth. Number two, we are copying Christ both in our message and in our deeds, which implies having Christ's heart for people and not just obeying a command. Number three, we are to rely on God to supply all we need, both bodily and spiritually, for the mission. God will provide for his workers that do his work. Number four, we are to bring bring peace to God's elect. We don't know who they are. And the only way they will hear about it is if we speak. Just, again, one small parenthesis. Something to think about. So just, you know yourself and you know where you walked through life, how many people you met and everything. Just imagine the number of people that could have been saved if you would have opened your mouth when you didn't. I think it's a fair kind of assessment of ourselves, given that we're talking about missions. How many people in your life came close to you and you didn't tell them about Jesus? Number five, we are always on the move and the message goes wherever we go. Wherever we are, we are to build relationships and we are to open our mouth with courage. Again, it's not about how you feel. It's not about whether, whether you have a good or a bad day. It's not about whether you're at work or you're wearing the right shoes or you have enough money. Or It's about your heart. Do you have Christ's heart for people? Because again, a small parenthesis, if if we don't feel towards people how Christ felt towards people, it will be very hard for us to open our mouth because we will not believe that what we have to tell them is a treasure. It's not just words, it's a treasure. We're putting at the at the feet of we're laying down a treasure at, at people's feet. And what we're doing is we're telling them, okay, pick it up. Make it your own. It's yours. Pick it up. That's what we're doing. We're bringing a treasure to people. But we have to believe that it's a treasure. You have to believe that you're going to make people spiritually rich. Because you're bringing them the gospel. That's why, again, I said it before, we're not just begrudgingly, number two, we're not just begrudgingly obeying a command. We want to see people saved, whether families or friends or even strangers who come into our lives. And I think that is it. No, one more. Um, probably the, the one that is more, most close to how we feel every day. Not everyone will welcome us and our message. You have to know that. We have to know that as we go out. Because we, 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 um, we run the risk of falling into the trap of saying, well, yeah, if that person was not a success if the other person was not a success then maybe I should go home and shut up that's not the point Jesus didn't say go save people he said go preach to people go tell people go open your heart and give it to people don't save them you cannot save people nobody can save people but Christ and that is it Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we want to be like Christ. We really want to be like Christ. Both in our daily lives and also on missions or wherever you send us. Lord, I pray that if you send us out into summer holidays or on vacation or wherever many of us go, and you bring people into our lives, help us be a testimony of, of, of you, Christ. Use us, Lord. We, we really want to be used by you, Lord Jesus. Help us understand and feel that our words, the gospel, is a treasure. And help us lay it down at people's feet. At least make them think or wonder, do I need this? Help us feel the weight of this eventual decision that they they are supposed to make. Whether to give their lives over to an eternal God or to live a life that leads to eternal pain and suffering. Help us, Lord, to do that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand for the benediction. And may the God of peace, who brought the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. How fitting.